Welcome to episode 167 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the hot takes and lifetime experiences episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host after um, bowling in the PBA Pro-Am at the PBA Players Championship and getting to meet a bunch of his heroes. Um, my mind is still blown, so I have no idea what's going to come out for the next couple hours, but we'll see what we can do. And another person who had his mind blown, a uh, life-changing experience, got to see people, saw their kinfolk, and maybe saw some other things. Uh, uh, iRacing Indy 500 champion, a uh, computer genius, a gentleman, and a scholar. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. Of course, um, yeah, I also had some lifetime experiences this weekend with seeing a bunch of shenanigans happen at the uh, Tour of Destruction at Orlando Speed World, which I probably will just talk about that instead of sim racing uh, this week, but um, got to see that. But, you know, of course, a uh, lot of stuff happening uh, this weekend in IndyCar, NASCAR, especially today with the rain delayed cup race. And then yesterday's F1 uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix uh, where, you know, we saw a lot of things happen there. And my pick with Sergio Perez was also uh, ended up being the correct pick uh, for that race. So um, yeah, ready to get into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going on a street course in formula one, uh, uh, Josh was ahead of it. But to be fair, he's a street course master. Uh, Checo Perez gets the victory after a timely um, full course yellow came out uh, for, I don't know who the fuck it was because I didn't even see the race. Um, but uh, he got the yellow in a timely spot. Fish lips couldn't pass him. Uh, Checo beat him on pace, which is great. So we'll talk about uh, Formula One here later on uh, in the Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. Uh, uh, what do you call a um, Kiwi got the victory. Scott McLaughlin beat uh, Roman Grosjean heads up l largely because of a caution that kind of fell in his favor as a three stopper. It was a I mean, it was a solid enough race. The battle between two and three stops really was interesting. That's where you had to dig in on the battles. Anybody who was on two stops was really out of it. Uh, we'll get into the Indy cars first uh, since we're in the month of May. So we'll start with that. In NASCAR this weekend at Dover, one of the closest races to my my house uh, was a, a Truex family benefit. We joke around about Martin Truex Jr. having 18 home tracks. Well, his actual home track, he broke a long losing streak this afternoon. We're doing this on Monday uh, evening. Long losing streak broke that um, on a Monday, yeah, same way as he won his first career cup race on a Monday, uh, what is it, 16 years ago, I believe. Yeah, on the day that Bill France Jr., uh, passed away so nobody died so that's good um but martin truex gets a win on the heels of his brother ryan truex not junior getting his first career xfinity win first win in the top three series of nascar 89 starts in the xfinity series dominated that race um credit to ryan truex he did such a great job there um and credit to him to go and do what he did 
there. I mean, it, it proves a point that if you give a guy that uh, has the talent and ability an opportunity in a good car, he can make it happen, and that's what he did. Uh, we'll get into the NASCAR events, and Josh has a hot take about uh, Ross Chastain, who uh, sent uh, Brennan Poole uh, earlier this afternoon and in part took out uh, uh, hard R Kyle Larson and Kyle Larson basically made Ross Chastain's life a living hell, which in turn helped Ross um, Martin Truex win the race. Uh, we've mentioned formula one. We'll get into that. We'll see where NFL draft talk is. Um, Jacksonville had uh, picks. The Niners definitely made a lot of interesting picks. Uh, questionable how the draft went a lot of people were panning the way the Niners went about their draft but to be fair they needed a kicker because Robbie Gould said he wasn't going to come back for whatever reason since his market seems to be so wide right now but he also can't kick off and the guy that we got could kick it from here to Australia so I think that's probably a good thing the roundup's busy six hours of spa a lot of wrecks there MotoGP and Moto2 at Jerez was uh, action-packed. Charlotte Full-Ride Nationals, Supercars at Wanneroo, Indy NXT was at Barber, F2 at Baku. Um, Ali Bierman gets two wins there. And then we'll uh, preview Barcelona, Barcelona in World Superbike and Formula E, uh, Monaco Epri. The Grand Prix of Miami and the, um, what do you call, uh, parking lot of uh, Hard Rock Stadium. We'll talk about that. Cup and Trucks at Kansas. Josh's sim segment might end up being, as he said, about uh, the uh, Destruction Derby or Demo Derby and all the experiences you had there, which has to be something. Yeah, because I went I'm to pretty sure. there, so yeah. yeah. There's a whole lot going on there, so we could probably go and talk about that, and we'll close the deal. So, yeah, Indy Grand Prix of Alabama, uh, as uh, Lee Diffie would say, uh, was a battle essentially between Roman Grosjean, who qualified on pole for this race and dominated a good amount of this race, led the most laps, and probably should have won if the two-stop strategy had actually held up. Uh, instead, Scott McLaughlin gets his first victory of 2023 with uh, at Barber by 1.78 seconds over Roman Grosjean, and uh, Will Power finishes third. Scott McLaughlin was in the fast six. He had a good car. He wasn't as good as Roman Grosjean, to be fair, but... Two stops versus three stops, the way the cautions landed, it just wasn't in the favor of the Andretti Autosport driver. Paddle Award you know, finished fourth. Alex Pillow finished fifth. So four of the top five were the guys that were in the fast six. You get all the way down to seventh. All the fast six is represented um, in the top seven minus um, Will Power, who finished in third. You had uh, Lungard, Dixon, Alexander Rossi, Felix Rosenquist, and points leader Marcus Erickson uh, finishing 10th, uh, coming off of getting married last week. So 
congratulations to him and his probably smoking hot wife. Uh, Marcus Armstrong couldn't believe he got the hard charger award. He didn't know that they got awards for finishing 11th. It was kind of hilarious how that all thing was on NBC. Um, but Marcus Armstrong getting 11th place finish. So all four of the Ganassi cars inside of the top 11. Uh, the Yeah, they threw the yellow for Stingray Rob, who fell out of the race. Um, they held that yellow for three laps which essentially gave uh, the three-stop guys the advantage. I mean, but to be fair, when you look at it in the top 10, one, two, three, four guys in the top 10 were three-stoppers versus two-stoppers. So the two-stop strategy was better. It's just the fact that the way everything landed wasn't in the favor of Roman Grosjean. He also somehow or another ran out of push to pass which he went from like a hundred and something seconds to nothing which i'm assuming or i'm going to just venture to say was a malfunction of the entire system because how the heck does that happen really um grosjean had the best car he was the best driver for a good part of the weekend but in the end josh uh scotty mclaughlin uh one of the bus bros sets up his gets himself an early present prior to the month of May, knowing that the big prize is here a month from now or at the end of this month to go and anoint himself and basically lock himself into um, career employment at Penske Racing if he can go and win the Indianapolis 500. But first, he wins at Barber and uh, gets himself right in the points chase in the IndyCar Series early on in 2023. Yeah, Scotty McLaughlin in the Thirsty Threes. They go out and win this weekend here at Barber Motorsports Park. And, um, you know, the percent chance of them winning with their uh, three-stop strategy, according to you know, IndyCar's uh, Instagram page, they're, you know, on, on their social media is uh, about 9%, whereas Romain Grosjean, the two-stop strategy is supposed to work uh, and has 91% chance of winning. Um, and obviously that helps with, a, you know, mostly – uh, green race and um, it would have worked I think you know except for the fact that yeah the pit stop came in the middle of the race or the the, the caution for Stingray Rob came in the middle of the race there um, you know driving for uh, Griftware Racing and Dale Coyne so um, obviously you know we know that car is not really good uh, there but um, you know it helped definitely helped the guys on the three-stop strategy like you said and um, you know gave them kind of an advantage there, uh, a little bit of leverage in their favor. Um, and still, I mean, Romain Grosjean was able to get around after his pit stop, uh, you know, second pit stop, he was able to get around uh, Scotty McLaughlin um, and he was able to get him around him really cleanly. And, you know, I honestly thought, you know, with about 20 laps to go there that he made the winning pass, um, you know, passing him on the outside, um, you know, hanging on the outside, going into the, the final corner and coming out uh, with the lead uh, there. And uh, it was a really, really brilliant move on his sleep, you know, by him to be able to do that. But, you know, with the three-stop strategy there for McLaughlin, you know, I think he was able to, um, you know, use the advantage of having an extra set of tires to, to go off of. Um, and then, you know, being able to um, still have the push to pass there and took advantage of, you know, uh, Grosjean, you know, being on less tire there at the end and also running out of uh, the P2P. So, um, yeah, I think um, for Grosjean, another good run and shows that he's quite capable and, you know, possibly the best 
that the 28 car um, for Andretti Autosport has probably run since you know Mike or you know Ryan Hunter Ray uh, in his championship back in 2012 there. Um, but yeah, I mean it's interesting to see what you know what they'll find out with uh, the system there for push to pass for uh, Grosjean because you know that shouldn't have happened for him. But you know, maybe maybe use too much of it trying to um, get up to uh, you know back up to uh, with you know McLaughlin trying to get him to the lead. But then even then, they had pointed out he had had a, a lot of push to pass left. So clearly, maybe a system malfunction there, and obviously left him very vulnerable uh, to McLaughlin. And McLaughlin was able to take advantage of that and use his push to pass and um, basically uh, go in there wide open uh, to be able to pass. Uh, well you know, in terms of push to pass, be able to use, um, that to get around, um, Grosjean who, um, obviously couldn't defend it and couldn't do anything about it. And then, you know, slowly, but surely Grosjean, uh, lost time to McLaughlin and then fell back into the clutches of, uh, Will Power, who of course, you know, used the same strategy there and really was able to make up a, a ton of time, um, throughout the race. You know, he started, uh, started in, in 11th and made it all the way up into the podium. So, um, could have been a top two there, but I think he ran out of a uh, car there at the very end uh, to get around Grosjean. So, um, you know, excellent strategy by that team as well. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, mostly the focus is on Grosjean and uh, McLaughlin. You know, of course, their first clash at the beginning of the year at uh, St. Petersburg, they both got into it and took each other out. And then here they had a, a revisit of that. Uh, same uh, type of sequence where you know Grosjean get, getting out of the pits this time um, and had a chance to get around him and they race each other cleanly this time. So um, yeah, credit to both of them for being able to pull it off uh, there and you know being able to um, give an entertaining finish. And you know at some point I think for Roman he, I think he's going to get his win at some point. You know we have the uh, Indianapolis you know Grand Prix. Uh, coming up here in, in two weeks. So um, definitely, I think he has the chance to um, go out and get a win where he got his first pole a couple of years ago. Uh, so, you know, definitely, um, you know, he has a chance there uh, uh, to go and get that to happen. So, um, you know, credit to him there. Um, some of the rest of the guys, of course, you know, we picked, or I, I picked Joseph Newgarden, um, who, you know, first lap, he led six laps, but, you know, first lap got into it um, and, damaged the right rear uh tire and the suspension there so um you know he just didn't have the handling there and mostly you know got mired in the back so uh, or you know back half the field uh for the most part so um una unable to really do anything uh even though he probably had a good car and good qualifying position obviously in seventh place so um you know unfortunate there uh but uh yeah Polo Lundgaard also had good runs Rossi, uh, good recovery after, you know, previous race in, um, Long Beach where he, you know, got crashed. Rosenquist, uh, who had that incident with, uh, uh, Newgarden there, um, definitely, uh, you know, ended up going to the back and made it back up to the, uh, the top 10 there. So, um, and then of course, uh, can't forget about Marcus Armstrong, you know, your bonus pick there, uh, starting in 26th and making it all the way into 11th, just outside the top 10. So, uh, you know, biggest move of the race right there. So yeah, there's a lot that happened, you know, this weekend in uh, this race, but it was definitely, you know, entertaining and we got to see, you know, good, good race uh, from start to finish and, you know, the strategies play out between uh, the two, uh, two stop strategy and the three stop strategy there. So yeah, it was definitely a, a great race that we saw this weekend here at Barber. One of the uh, fan favorites. Uh, I mean, what is it? The guys on the radio for, 
PRN was trying to talk about how great of a crowd they had at Dover and trying to shit on IndyCar. I'm like, IndyCar was at one of their biggest races, one of their best uh, races that they get for fans at Barber, the Augusta of uh, motorsports tracks, Augusta National Motorsports tracks. George um, Barber does a great job hosting the IndyCars and hosting whoever shows up. Uh, putting on great races. I mean, it's a tough racetrack to make passes. Essentially, there's one passing zone, uh, but it's more of a strategy race. And I mean, with the Indy cars, these guys, the vast majority of these guys are very good drivers and they keep it clean. The fact that there was actually a full, I thought this was going to be a fully green race, which would have made it even crazier than what it was. Um, but to be fair, Scott McLaughlin, he's trying to win this championship. He put himself in a position uh, yesterday to go and do that. By going and winning at uh, Barber with the Beef Packers, whatever the hell that was car. kind of reminds me of Danny Lasoski back in the day. Um, Grosjean is due. Uh, the Indy Road Course fits perfectly for him to go and get that maiden victory. Colton Herta won this that race a year ago, so or might have won the second one, one of the ones that they had at Indy Road Course. Uh, otherwise, New Garden's been great there over his entire career. Uh, the Arrow, the McLaren team, all doing pretty well, I guess, par for the course these days. Rosenquist to recover from tailback as Rusty Wallace would say, uh, to get back up into the top 10. Good recovery for him. And, um, yeah, I mean, even Marcus Armstrong. I I mean, Josh, you had, uh, yeah, you had uh, Newgarden and Rosenquist, and um, I made the bonus pick. VK was nowhere because Ed Carpenter racing sucks. Um, so I figure VK is going to be in play for Chip Ganassi now. Uh, speaking of Chip Ganassi, I picked Dixon, and he was up there. So it is what it is. I mean, the IndyCars will be back here in a couple weeks' time to uh, run the, the uh, Indy Grand Prix, the GMR Grand Prix of Indy, or whatever the hell they call it. Let me just go and get the points here before we move forward. Yeah, GMR Grand Prix on May 13th. Marcus Erickson... Leads with 130 points. Pat Award, three points behind him in second. Alex Pillow, the 2021 IndyCar champion, is nine points behind his teammate Marcus Erickson. So there's that's a top three. Right now, the top five, which includes Scott Scotty McLaughlin and Roman Grosjean, are separated by 15 points. Joseph Newgarden in sixth, Will Power seventh, Scott Dixon eighth, Kyle Kirkwood ninth, and Colton Herta in tenth, Callum Isla, Christian Lingard, et cetera, et cetera, Malukas, Rossi, Rosen. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Um, so we'll see what happens at Indy Road Course here in a couple weeks' time. Well, let's get into the NASCAR Cup Series Worthless 400. Uh, that was, uh, definitely one that if you wanted to fall asleep, uh, you probably would, you know, since there wasn't a whole hell of a lot that went on 
in that race. Remain likely renewed, and even as it carves out. Oh, lovely. Fox and NBC are going to continue. Uh, that's terrible. That's not what I wanted to hear, but okay. Uh, 11th race of the season. Martin Truex Jr. gets the victory today. His first victory in uh, his fourth win, first win of the year, fourth at Dover, 32nd career victory, which is pretty, pretty cool. And then sweeping the National Series events will get into Ryan's victory. Um, yeah, for first one, 54 race winless streak broken. He locks himself into the playoffs. Um, he looked good today. Martin Truex Jr. gets the victory over Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, who led the most laps. Danny Hamlin rounded out the top five. Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Brad Keselowski, Chris Busher, Josh Berry in the 48 car filling in for Alex Bowman and Clyde. Uh, William Clyde Elliott the second and Daryl Walsh Jr. were the twelve cars on the lead lap uh, after four hundred miles at Dover. Essentially, the entire race was dominated by William Byron, who won the first stage, finished second in the second one to Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain led the second most laps, and then Martin Truex led the third most, and basically led the last sixty-eight laps or so uh not i mean yeah basically the last 68 laps except for one uh during a pit road pit stop sequence and that was the uh determining factor so martin truex jr getting his 32nd career win um tying uh dale jarrett hall of famer dale jarrett um in wins it's been a long dry spell for him a year and a half plus to get a victory again, Ryan Blaney's another one that needs one. Maybe he'll be in a position to do that at Kansas. But um, I'm I'm going to tee this up for you. You were telling me offline, Josh, that you had a take on uh, Ross Chastain, who uh, around lap 80, he uh, decided to send Brennan Poole in one of those uh, rent-a-rack cars that Rick Ware puts out there. And... Um, in the process, Kyle Larson was part of the collateral damage. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what happened to the 14 car. Uh, I don't have a clue what happened to him other than that car was probably dog shit, which is entirely possible since you go from six, you start six and you finish 30th and you're 22 laps down. Your car probably is dog shit because BJ McLeod was involved in a wreck with Suarez and Ty Dillon, and he ran more laps than you. Uh, that's inexplicable. But um, yeah, Josh, uh, 12 cars on a lead lap. Typical Dover race, Keeler Gibbs, Cole Joy up there, a lap down. Some of the other guys, Ryan Priest got a top 20. And Harvick probably should add more than what he got out of uh, the race and finishing 19th. Kyle Busch from the pole led the first 25 laps, got a speeding penalty, and basically was battling back for the rest of the day. Finished three laps down in 21st. The top, yeah, so uh, other than that, I mean, there really wasn't a whole hell of a lot that happened this afternoon at Dover, couple of, um, I mean, I thought I had the, I thought I had the uh, last place finisher, but for some reason, 
Noah Gagson ran nine laps more than Suarez and Dylan screwed me out of that in my fantasy league, uh, the Michael Sanders league. But let's hear what you're going to say about old Ross Chastain, uh, the new uh, dart without feathers, the new Swerve and Irvin. Uh, we need a nickname for him now. We should make a nickname and put it out on social media. Hopefully it'll take off. I was trying to go and promote my shit, our shit in, uh, at the bowling alley, uh, trying to get people to listen. So what is your take on Ross Chastain? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think he did the right thing by uh, taking out uh, Brennan Poole uh, there. I mean, um, you know, we talked, you said it right there. I mean, the 15 is basically a dog shit car they they don't try you've been saying it for you know however long that you know they're just out there to collect a paycheck and that's why i called them griftware racing in uh, the previous segment when indycar and that's exactly what it is they're a tire grift and you know they um I think the only time they've ever been competitive on somewhat of a level is the restricted plate tracks and uh, the Bristol dirt race when JJ Ailey was driving that car and at um, Coda when Jensen Button, but you know, Ross Chastain gets in the back of him for whatever reason and takes him out. And Kyle Larson is just a innocent bystander there. Um, just a uh, casualty for the cause. You know, they, um, I think he did the field a favor by getting rid of one of the slowest cars in the field. Um, and somebody who's probably going to end up finishing 10 laps down anyways and be in the way of everybody. So, yeah, I mean, Ross Chastain uh, took him out there and, you know, put him in the wall. And, you know, it's a it's a preemptive strike for sure. Maybe his favorite president is George W. Bush or something. But, um, you know, he uh, he's always uh, been doing this all the way back to um, – you know, the Bush series and or the Xfinity series and everything in the truck series. And he's going to keep on doing it um, until something really happens to him. I mean, we've seen him get wrecked before in Xfinity and even in cup and he's still doing it. So um, no, I mean, keep doing it, you know, just, um, you know, once again, try not to wreck people, but you know, he keeps doing it. So I think, you know, he should just own up to it right here and just take my advice. Just say, Hey, I, I wrecked him. I'm not sorry. I did the field a favor by getting rid of a, a guy that was going to, be in the way of everybody so i think he should just 100 percent just flat out own the fact that he wrecked the guy instead of saying you know i'm sorry i didn't mean to do it you know um and and move on and you know sorry to call larson but again just a righteous uh casualty in the war against uh griftware racing here um you know and maybe they can take a lesson and um you know providing competitive cars and not just collecting a paycheck you know, I mean, at least Spire Racing, you know, they, um, they're a similar team. They kind of did the same deal, Sarton Park, but, you know, at least they've improved and expanded to two cars. And at least one of them is semi-competitive with, uh, Corey LaJoy. Um, and, you know, they've, they're slowly improving and, you know, and are, uh, somewhat of an underdog at some races here, um, this year. So, um, you know, the 15 has never been competitive and can't say I've ever seen a race, you know, outside of, Jensen Button and J.J. Ailey this year where they were legitimately a like even an underdog threat uh, to you know even like crack the top 10. So, um, yeah, when he ran it a couple of times last year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Priest there, too. That's that's true. So whenever they've partnered with um, Stuart Haas or any other team that Ford pairs them up with. So we'll give them that there. And at least, you know, in IndyCar, they partnered with uh, Dale Coyne and 
they're at least semi-competitive there. So it's not entirely a grift, but for the most part, it is a grift. So yeah, that's my hot take is that Ross just did everybody a favor. And, um, you know, eventually everybody's going to hate him, right? I mean, he's wrecked half the field at this point. But, you know, just like, um, you know, George Bush, you know, just got to keep launching uh, preemptive strikes against everybody. And then, you know, um, eventually, you know, just eliminate the competition and he'll win every race. So, um, you know, two, you know, two things there, just, you know, punish Rick Ware and, um, just keep doing what you're doing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really what I think of Ross Chastain. Um, you know, obviously, um, he's got a background from, uh, where he grew up in Florida and how he raced and how he, I guess he got pushed around, uh, racing in the, um, whatever the super truck series or whatever it is down in, uh, where he's from in Florida and got pushed around there. And that's how he learned how to race. And, um, that's what he told Denny Hamlin when they went out to breakfast after their deal at gateway and everything last year. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's Ross Chastain there for you. And, um, damn near almost won it, you know, except, you know, Kyle Larson, um, you know, got in the way of him there and, you know, Kyle, I mean, I guess, I don't know, we'll see if NASCAR decides to penalize Kyle for manipulating the race there. I mean, um, um, there wasn't a Hendrick, well, William Byron was there. So, you know, maybe William Byron had, had been closer to him there and passed, passed him for a second and could have gotten up to uh, Truex on the last restart. Then maybe you could frame that as manipulating the race. You know, Alec, um, what Chase Elliott did a favor to him with Kevin Harvick uh, back in Bristol in 2021. So maybe there's an angle there, but probably not. Um, and everything, and it's going to get weird here with, you know, how NASCAR is choosing to penalize drivers for retaliation, like what they did to Denny, which uh, seemed extremely complicated versus, you know, what Corey LaJoy, uh, essentially admitted a few weeks ago after Martinsville. So, um, yeah, obviously there's a lot, uh, to take away from there, but you know, um, yeah, that's that's uh that's how it is these days in NASCAR. Um, and you know, I think everybody just needs to own it at this point. But no, I mean, um, all things aside, you know, I mean, Truex um finally gets a win a year and a half later, um, day after his brother uh got his first career win. Um, you know, eleven years after uh Ryan Truex uh, you know, choked it away uh to Denny Denny Hamlin in the Xfinity race there and then you know many years after Truex finally got his first win in the Cup Series uh in in Dover back in 07 so he um you know bookends it with uh breaking a winless streak here in the Cup Series so uh good for him there of course he talked about Ryan Blaney finished third and was uh, challenging him there on the final you know after the final restart uh and everything and um yeah good good racing for uh Jack Roush and Brad Keselowski, of course, Keselowski finishing in eighth, led a couple of laps, and uh, Chris Buescher uh, finishing ninth, so good day for the Uh Josh Berry subbing, he's the new super sub here in this series, um, you know, subbing for Alex Bowman, um, who, you know, got hurt, and people are questioning whether, you know, people should do things extracurricularly, and I think they should continue to do that, just a, another unfortunate incident, and it's just wildly happenstance that uh, a second Hendrick driver uh, has to set out a number of races to recover from an injury that happened outside the race car, so uh, another audition for Barry, who led three laps, finishing in 10th, so, um, and, you know, made his way uh, from being a lap down at some point in the race, and now finishing in 10th uh, ahead of his teammate, uh, 
in in the number nine. So yeah, good job for Josh Berry there, who probably will be driving the four car if the rumors uh, are indicating that's what he's going to be driving next year. So uh, good deal there. Bubba Wallace, 28th to 12th, uh, last car in the lead lap and had some tire issues throughout uh, at one point in the race. So good recovery there. But yeah, I mean, really didn't catch any of this race. I mean, at work the whole day um, and really only saw the highlight on Twitter. And that's how I was able to formulate this take on Ross Chastain, which um, I think, you know, is a good take uh, and everything. And, um, you know, when you frame it in the fact that we should just hate on Rick Ware for um, collecting checks, then um, it's more acceptable to, to view it in that light. So, yeah, that's, that's what I think about uh, this race here at Dover, which, um, yeah, didn't look like much, but I mean, at least, you know, it was sort of somewhat getting good if the highlights are anything from you know, the last 15 laps until, you know, Kyle Larson got in the way there. But, um, you know, uh, we'll see how they respond to that later this week. And if, you know, Larson takes any further action, you know, later on uh, next week at Kansas. So Martin Truex gets the victory at Dover. Josh uh, definitely is not a fan of Ross Chastain's latest moves. Um, and a lot of Dirty Mo Media isn't either. Uh, so I guess we'll see how that works out in uh, the land of make-believe or whatever the hell, um, Toto's world or whatever the hell, the Dorothy and Toto's world in Kansas uh, this coming weekend. But for somebody else that uh, ran at Dover that had a lot of good mojo going was Ryan Truex, not Junior, going out there and getting his first career Xfinity victory in his 89th start, a very emotional victory for him and for, I mean, in general for his career to go and get that victory. Um, dominated the A-game 200, won both stages, led the most laps. It it was a it was a clinic uh, by Ryan Truex. Started 12th because of the the whatever metric, but he came up and dominated the race. And it was, there was only 10 cars on the lead lap at the end of five different leaders uh, with uh, Austin Hill leading 18 laps, Cole Custer, 13, Sheldon Creed, 41, but falling back late. And Kyle Weatherman actually led four laps uh, in the zero two car. But I mean, this, this race for is all, about Ryan Truex, Josh, a big victory, family sweep at their actual home track. Uh, not sure what it really means in the grand scheme of things for Ryan Truex. I think he is angling. He said it in victory lane and in post-race interviews that I think he's angling to get a full-time seat at JGR in the Xfinity series. I don't see why that would be hard, as hard because they don't have I think one or both of those guys that are on that team right now in the full-time seats might be getting a call um, to move forward. And um, I mean, you have Legacy Motor Club now a part of the the mix, which um, is something that is um, is news uh, as well that Legacy Motor Club is joining Toyota. So now there's possibly another couple opportunities, expansion opportunities, plus um, you know uh, twenty three eleven. There, you know, so that that's a option. There may be options there for Ryan Truex, but right now it's a big deal for the Truex family and for the younger brother of MTJ to get his first career Xfinity victory. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm, his performances win in that race definitely 
uh, is fitting of that race sponsor. He was definitely on his A game there, uh, you know, this past Saturday at uh, Dover Motor Speedway. Um, but I think, yeah, I agree with you there with this win. Um, can Ryan Truex, you know, parlay this uh, into possibly a full-time ride in Xfinity, whether that's with JGR or not, uh, remains to be seen. But, you know, clearly, um, you know, he's shown what he can do in the past, of course, um, you know, of course, 11 years ago, ran this race and um, almost won before Joey Logano in the final laps uh, overtook him there and now comes back to that same racetrack and wins. So could we see him, you know, possibly get more opportunities here later on this season um, in, you know, in this car? I think so. Um, and possibly maybe even next year or even later on this year, could he uh, start driving, uh, you know, full time for the rest of the year? I think that's also definitely possible. And, you know, even if it's not a JGR car, I mean, for um, Ryan Truex, you know, there's a, another Ryan, you know, in, in uh, cup now, Ryan Priest, who uh, won uh, in with a JGR car um, in, about all the way back in 2017 you know, after grinding it out for several years in the modifieds and, um, you know, with uh, Xfinity series and um, other series. So, you know, he's been a talented driver for years, you know, is finally now getting his chance in Stuart Haas, uh, you know, with a legitimate car and support. So, um, you know, something similar maybe for uh, Ryan Truex, maybe in, uh, in the near future for him, possibly, um, you know, we'll have to see. And it all depends on uh, sponsorship uh, there. But yeah, this, uh, other than that, you know, this race um, was basically all Ryan Truex. Um, of course, you know, you had um, Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier uh, in the top 10 and finished second and third. You know, we both picked you know, each of those drivers and still good runs for both of those guys, um, even though they uh, didn't win or lead laps. So a solid points day for those two cars as well in top 10 for junior motorsports. Um, and then, you know, you had Cole Custer in seventh uh, solid run uh, for him as well. So, um, yeah, this, this race uh, definitely, um, you know, had a lot of, a lot of stuff happened as far as, um, you know, who, who can, you know, in this series, um, be competitive and, you know, definitely, even though he's not full-time, I think, you know, Ryan Truex definitely, uh, showed he belonged there in this series along with, uh, the rest of the, you know, drivers that are up and coming and our mainstay veterans like Al Guyer, like Brandon Jones and Daniel Hemrick and whatnot. Yeah. And I mean, for Truex, you look at some of those rides, even in other teams, there might be options there as well. Uh, you know, there are, I mean, there's other rumors that have come out with the uh, likes of Josh Berry. So, you know, if you can get the money together, the rides might be there for Ryan Truex. But definitely congratulations to him and a long time coming for him. I know he's waited to had that doubt for 11 years. Could it, What would have happened if he had won? But now he doesn't have to worry about that. He's won. So uh, good job by him. Xfinity, of course, takes the weekend off prior to the Darlington throwback weekend. Uh, Austin Hill doesn't lead, or does he lead the overall? I figure he does. Um, the Austin Hill leads the overall points by four over John Hunter Nemechek, and he's also, they're the top two in the point standings because of their uh, wins. Chandler Smith is third overall, but he also is third in the playoff standings. Um, then you have Sammy Smith and Jeb Burton, who have both won. And they are currently in a uh, Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier, Cole Custer, Sheldon Creed, Ry- uh, Riley Herbst, Daniel Hemrick, plus 26 to the cut. 
and Samir plus nine over his teammate, Brandon Jones. Uh, Parker Kligerman having that uh, brutal finish, having a little rough run a couple of races. Now out and down in the 14th, 19 points behind. Uh, Ryan Sieg minus 37, Brett Moffat minus 51. So those are, that's the Xfinity series at uh, Dover. Uh, we're going to go and um, move on into NFL draft. I mean, uh, I think for you, Josh, you have a lot more to discuss than I do. <laughs> um, most of the conjecture was from the fact that the Niners picked a kicker uh, very early in the draft. So uh, I'll let you go and uh, discuss what you what you took away from the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting last week and what you're hoping for as they get into OTAs and other mini camps and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars was definitely an interesting one. Uh, a lot of deals being made uh, early on in the draft. Um, the first and second round, definitely, uh, especially the first round, they traded back twice uh, in the first round um, and ended up picking up an offensive lineman, Anton Harrison, from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, he was a very good offensive tackle there. Of course, um, I think, you know, he could be somebody that they fit in at left tackle. Of course, Jacksonville um, has uh, Cam Robinson on suspension for the first six games of the season after uh, testing positive for PEDs, uh, which what well, we did not know about until the uh, night before the draft. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one. Plus, Robinson's on last year of his deal getting paid $17 million. So um, figure um, this guy's probably the future uh, for the left tackle position, given the value of Robinson's contract and everything. So uh, definitely for uh, Jags, you know, it solidifies the offensive line, at least as far as uh, depth goes uh, the rest of the way. Uh, you know, you also have on the offensive line, Walker Little, who seemingly will uh, be plugged into the right tackle spot, uh, at least for now, um, and uh, as a replacement for uh, Jawan Taylor. Um, and then second round, of course, um, they, yeah, well, second round drafting, um, I'm trying to pull up the draft here, Dra drafting uh, Antonio Johnson, um, and, uh, you know, it was an interesting one there too. They did a bunch of trade trade backs uh throughout uh throughout the draft they drafted a tight end uh brandon strange from penn state um who could could be a good depth as as well on the tight end side which they needed um of course still have the issue of evan ingram not signed long term beyond uh the franchise tag so there's that as well um they took Tank Bigsby in the um, draft as well, so he's uh, definitely a, a good running back, um, and we'll see how he does. Definitely like the name as well. Tank is uh, definitely a fitting name for a running back there. Uh, the rest of the draft, you know, he drafted um, a linebacker from Flora, uh, Ventral Miller, uh, who is pretty old. He has a lot of experience now as a linebacker, so uh, definitely um, somebody that uh, – you know, it could be good and could fit in as depth uh, once um, Foyer Lucon, uh ends up, you know, leaving. Uh, he's only have, he only has like, I think, two more years left on his contract and he could uh, end up being the uh, future beyond, uh, you know, those next two years. So we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, this, uh, you know, this is interesting uh, here. I mean, I really wanted to see them draft a, a cornerback, you know, with one of their um, top picks. 
Uh, I thought there was a lot of good cornerback talent, especially, you know, um, in the late, late first round. So, uh, definitely, uh, you know, wanted, wanted to see, see that happen. They didn't take it, uh, cornerback until late in the draft. Um, but you know, definitely, uh, um, they picked up a couple of guys there, Antonio Johnson and Christian Braswell, uh, both corners, um, or, um, safeties. So that should be an interesting, uh, pick there, um, for them. But yeah, definitely a lot of, uh, um, you know, trades that they made and picked up a lot of late round picks. So smart deals made by Trent Balky, but you know, hopefully this draft um, is a little looks ends up performing better than what it looks like on paper because right now it seems like a lot of a lot of the experts are giving them kind of an average grade for for this draft. So you'll know, we'll have to see. And again, like I said last week, um, you know, Jacksonville's uh, draft uh, for this year is very important to make a you know, for them to make a playoff push, uh, this year. I mean, obviously the, um, first round, uh, all AFC South teams and second round all took, uh, quarterbacks, you know, of course, uh, um, Houston Texans selecting, uh, Bryce Young and, you know, the, um, Colts selecting Antonio, um, or, um, Anthony Richardson, um, sorry there. And, uh, of course the Colts take, or the, um, not the Colts, but, um, the Titans taking Will Levis in the early second round. So, you know, all these quarterbacks going to be in the AFC South as rookies. So definitely it's going to be a chance for the Jaguars defense to try to feast against uh, rookie QBs. But, you know, they're all very, very talented uh, quarterbacks there. So, um, you know, definitely think, uh, you know, we'll see what what happens uh, this season um, for, for Jacksonville. But, um, you know, they have to capitalize on this opportunity. You know, last two times they made the playoffs, they did not make the playoffs the following year. So it's a very important season for them coming up. But, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing, you know, how it comes out as we, you know, get closer to the training camp and then preseason. Then, you know, finally the regular season starting up, you know, back in September. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that division, a lot of changes. I mean, Houston getting the number two and then the number three picks, uh, CJ Stroud and Will Anderson is something that you wouldn't expect from that franchise. Um, Tennessee kind of benefiting from the drop, precipitous drop of Will Levis. And then um, Indianapolis uh, getting uh, Richardson and amongst other people. The division is definitely in play, but Jacksonville is still the favorite, um, I would say, even with the draft and Trent Baalke doing Trent Baalke things. The Niners didn't have a whole lot of capital through all the different trades they've made in recent years. Uh, The rumor of, uh, what do you call, Trey Lance getting traded didn't happen, of course, uh, even though the specter is still there. Now you got media, the Niner media going and, propping up Sam Darnold while you have Brock Purdy recovering from an elbow. And then you got, you got Trey trying to come back from a leg and an ankle. So typical Niner media, that's what you get. But in terms of the draft, uh, a lot of defense, a lot of uh, depth selections there. And in terms of getting a safety in Jair Brown from Penn state uh, in the third round, Derek, Darrell Luter Jr. from South Alabama, probably someone who's more of a projection play, hopefully to get him in, maybe would be a nickel or dime guy. And then 
as he gets more experience or maybe special teams, and then they can move him up the ladder. Uh, Robert Beal Jr., another edge rusher. Um, we're still looking for that guy to sit on, to stand on the other side of for Nick Bosa. So who knows? Uh, fifth round pick there. D. Winters, a linebacker and uh, very talented. A lot of great production in TCU. So he's um, experienced player, and he gets to work with one of the best linebacker duos in uh, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. So he's going to get to learn from two great guys there. Uh, the Niners then spent, uh, and they also got Jalen Graham from Purdue, uh, younger player. So at the, getting him in the seventh round late in the draft, not really sure. It's probably more of a uh, wild card coin flip kind of pick. Some of these picks are probably looking at practice squad. Uh, Ronnie Bell, the wide receiver from Michigan, one of two people that the players that the Niners drafted from Michigan. Uh, had a lot of productivity over his years at the in in the maize and blue. The Niners spent uh, two picks on tight ends. They got uh, Cameron Latu from Alabama. Uh, watch list for the Mackey Award. Um, we'll add to the Polynesian flair of the 49ers. We'll see if he can get on the roster. Uh, GK, Ross Dwelly are the top two guys. I uh, would say you'd be looking at special teams for sure. Braden Willis from Oklahoma. And um, I guess getting him this late is probably injury-based because he's had good productivity over his career. Um, in 2022, he did play. So I don't know what, maybe he didn't test out too well, but maybe he's a good blocker. But we'll see what happens with him. It's a whole bunch of projecting and depth uh, selections. I think Robert Beal is probably somebody in uh, Winters. I think those two guys are probably guys to look at initially. Uh, But the one that makes the biggest difference, the one that's going to be a day one starter, um, and the one that brought out plenty of controversy, was Jake Moody, the kicker from Michigan, picked 99 overall in round number three, a compensatory pick for one of their coaches, uh, one of the coaches or brand Carthon or whoever, because they're all diversity hires because the Niners are one of the only teams that seem to do that. Um, Robbie Gould was not coming back. They needed a kicker. They needed somebody that could actually make kickoffs that would go in the end zone instead of having to give up field position like they were with Gould. Um, for whatever reason, Mitch Wisnowski doesn't do kickoffs. I don't know why. Um, it's kind of inexplicable to me, uh, especially considering like he boots the hell out of it as a punter. Uh, it used to be because he sucked. Now it's like, I don't know what he, he doesn't kick off. But in this case, Jake Moody has a freaking massive leg. And um, that's going to be something that the, uh, the Niners are going to utilize. Uh, you know, that's uh, something they need. And he's going to play a big part of what in in terms of what uh what the Niners do in in that area um oh look at that look for Cindy Freeland Jesus um uh going into some of the other drafts uh for the NFC West the Arizona Cardinals traded back and uh, they were able to get Paris Johnson at number 6 overall the offensive tackle from Ohio State uh, they were also able to get help in the edge, off the edge with B.J. 
Ujari, Ujlari, Ujulari, I guess, uh, Syracuse cornerback Garrett Williams. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they got Michael Wilson from Stanford, the wide receiver. John Gaines, a second to guard from UCLA. And Clayton Toon, the Houston quarterback, um, probably at this point would be on the roster, would think he might be projecting to be the backup initially until um, Kyler Murray returns. Um, looks like NFL Network uh, is very high on that draft. So I'm trying to see who also. Okay, so we'll go by. So we also have Seattle and you have the Los Angeles Rams. There ain't a whole lot for the Los Angeles Rams, I would assume. Uh, you know, it's Las, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. Oh, they did. Oh, my bad. I guess they did. A lot more later in the draft. Uh, their first pick was in the second round. They got a guard, Steve Avila from TCU. They got defensive line, edge, and D-tackle with Byron Young from Tennessee, Wake Forest defensive tackle Kobe Turner. They drafted Stetson Bennett in the fourth round, the quarterback from Georgia. Um, that's a homer pick, I guess, because Matt Stafford is there. Uh, a lot of, I mean, I think for their, in the sake of the Rams, the way that they went down last year, they're hoping a lot of these players are able to make a difference immediately uh in these spots definitely going to be filling uh the uh, depth side of their roster because they have much older they have much older rosters so something to look at for them as they go along uh as they rebuild uh after getting that super bowl um a couple of years ago i think seattle was one of the big winners of the draft i mean philly was another one of course but uh, i think seattle was one of the winners um, and uh, Seattle did really well for themselves, uh, getting Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, the Ohio State wide receiver, theoretically getting two of the best, maybe top five or top 10 players at worst in this draft at five and 20. Uh, so good job on that. Derek Hall, a rush or uh, end from Auburn, Zach Charbonnet who looks like he's going to be in the mix to um, to share time at the running back position. Some interior uh, players there on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, middle of the draft, a uh, couple of offensive linemen, a center and a guard, DT and D-end. Then they drafted a safety and a running back there late. So I think those first four uh, or five picks all could play a big role immediately because of you know, I think the Seattle line is not exactly the greatest. Um, the running backs are always good for going through and having rookie or younger running backs. Jackson Smith and Jigbo is going to be have the op most open amount of field I think he's had. In, even at Ohio State, I don't even think he's going to have some of the windows that he's had and that he's going to get in the NFL because he's next to D DK Metcalf and um, Ty Tyler Lockett. So we'll see how that works for him. And Witherspoon is going to have to defend the likes of Brandon Ayuk and whoever the hell LA has. And um, De DeAndre, um, or am I forgetting his name? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, who now denies that he requested a trade because nobody wanted him. So um, he's back with Arizona. So that'll be interesting how that all works. Um, looks like whoever's doing the grading for NFL Network is pretty kind. He's Given out a lot of A's, A minuses, A's. Uh, yeah. So I mean, 
kind of look through here before we move on to the roundup. Buffalo will kind of go through alphabetical. Bijan Robinson, or that's Atlanta. I went through for Arizona. Bijan Robinson drafted eight overall, and then the running back from Texas and Matthew Bergeron, the offensive guard from Syracuse in the second. So I mean, they're they're trying to solidify that offensive line while going and getting themselves that power running back and um, helping with. Um, I'm trying to remember the Georgia already called the Atlanta Falcons quarterbacks named the rookie guy um, from last Desmond year. Desmond Ritter. Yeah, Des- yeah, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Uh, good pick. And Josh, and um, so, yeah, they're going to be running. It seems like Arthur Smith's going to go to more of a Baltimore style or some of these teams that, you know, go run first and um, kind of do the RPO game off of that um, short to intermediate passing game. Uh, Baltimore, they always seem to get the best value at, at all times. They get Zay Flowers at 22 overall to add to uh, Beckham and Rashad Bateman. Um, so, so they have and know, other players there. Buffalo drafts Dalton Kincaid, which uh, means that they're, they wanted a wide receiver, I think, but they get the tight end, so they're going to do t- two tight end sets. Uh, probably. With the two wide receivers, um, they might kick out Dalton Kincaid uh, to the outside. Osiris Torrance, the guard, somebody that you would think would be in in line possibly for a starting job. Uh, Carolina, of course, they drafted Bryce Young, number one overall, and then drafted um, wide receiver Jonathan Mingo from Mississippi at 39. And not a whole lot of picks, but they have their franchise quarterback and they got him a weapon. Uh, Chicago drafted Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle, after trading back twice and then um, with Carolina and then trading from 9 to 10. And then they started making moves on defense. And uh, they're they're a rebuilding team, of course, but a lot of value. I don't think we're going to know what Chicago really is for probably two to three years anyway, but it's a solid draft from them. Cincinnati drafts Miles Murphy, the Clemson uh, defensive end. Um, no offensive lineman, surprisingly, um, but they do they do address one of their safety issues because both of their safeties left with Alabama safety Jordan Battle. Figure he's going to be um, plug and play. DJ Turner the second is another guy that's probably plug and playing into their secondary, uh, which got battered in free agency. Um, yeah, the Bear- Browns. Just, yeah, Browns traded for Elijah Moore. I didn't know that. Um, so I, the name that stands out from this group to me is, of course, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback from UCLA, likely to go and play, uh, eventually get into that backup role behind Watson. Maisie Smith, the defensive tackle from Michigan, uh, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. They draft a tight end in the second round, kind of similar to what they usually do. Um, but they're trying to get that. They wanted to get the slab of beef in the middle to stop the run with Philadelphia going and having their running game and the way they run their offense. Washington, of course, with Hal going to want to commit to the run and then Saquon Barkley for the Giants. Uh, Denver didn't have a lot of picks, but they drafted Marvin Mims Jr. at number 63, and Drew Sanders, a linebacker, at 67. Um, it's typical of a Sean Payton draft because usually he's not had a lot of picks anyway. 
Um, so that's uh, we'll see what happens with them. The Detroit Lions, I think, probably got the worst grade. Um, Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama, at 12. Jack Campbell, linebacker from Iowa, at 19. And then in terms of second-round picks, they drafted Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa, which is tight end U, and an Alabama DB and Brian Branch. So two solid programs, players, but maybe the value may have not been there. Uh, day two, I think they probably did a lot better because the second and third round with Laporta, Branch, and Hendon Hooker, who likely um, projects to be the starter in a year uh, because they're probably not going to give uh, what do you call Jared Goff a break him off for a huge contract. Uh, so that we'll see what happens with that. Green Bay drafted Lucas Van Ness at 13 overall. I honestly thought they would draft a wide receiver, a tight end, in spite um, to do it to Aaron, but they didn't. They did draft a tight end in the second round, though, and the fourth, third, or fourth round. Uh, got Sean Clifford, the quarterback from Penn State, so he'll be working to try to be on the roster, be the backup, um, and there. So Houston, we mentioned the two big picks of Stroud and Anderson. They got what a name, Juice Scruggs, uh, the center from Penn State. So now the first four picks were all, or three of the first four picks were spent on the offensive side of the ball. And the three defensive players were two Alabama guys and a TCU guy, two edge rushers and a linebacker. Um, Houston, of course, is um, now that they've given up um, some capital to get three, to go and get three overall, um, pressure is going to be on both Stroud and Anderson to produce immediately. Um, some of these other guys also going to have to play, uh, Richardson for Indianapolis. We'll see what happens in regards to their quarterback situation. If he does play day one, um, because Shane Steichen is a coach, they did a lot of work on the defensive side of the ball. Um, a lot of depth there. We'll see what happens. I was obviously for Josh, it's, uh, the, those two teams are big ones in terms of the division. So we'll see how they perform. Josh, of course, went through. His team, the Chiefs, at 31 overall, get Felix Anudike Uzoma, an edge rusher, and then um, they get a a pick for Patrick Mahomes and Rashi Rice, SMU wide receiver. So that's something to look at there. It'll be yet another weapon that Patrick Mahomes can throw to. Uh, the Raiders drafted Tyree Wilson, the Texas Tech edge. Some people projected possibly could have went number one, number two, slips to seven. They get the Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer in the second round. So good value, uh, honestly, for those first two picks. They get a uh, – it's going to be an interesting season, you know, the way with this – with the arrival of Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. They're going to have to kind of change up the offense a bit in terms of uh, it being more about efficiency and shorter, da- shorter passing versus what they were with Derek Carr. Uh, Quentin Johnson at 21, the wide receiver for TCU at for the Chargers, will help with their other two wide receivers there. I, I forget, Mike Williams usually gets hurt, so they need somebody else on the other side of um, – oh, why am I forgetting his name now? Um, the guy for the number 13 for San Diego, Josh, he's always a big-time player. I'm forgetting his name. Um, for San Diego, number 13? Yeah. Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Thank you for that. Um, they got dra- they drafted Max Duggan late, so we'll see. Um, the, they want to have a nice young backup to perf- to compete with Easton Stick. Um, to see who's going to back up uh, 
what do you call Herbert? Uh, went through the that one. Miami doesn't really have a lot. They got a corner and Cam Smith from South Carolina running back in Devon Devon Akne Akane whatever. So Minnesota drafted Jordan Anderson in the first round wide receiver to basically give Justin Jefferson all kinds of room. Um, two USC guys, two LSU guys, a BYU quarterback Jaron Hall and running back Dwayne McBride from UAB. New England had a lot of picks. Uh, they picked a they picked a lot of defense, of course, because it is Bill Belichick, Christian Gonzalez, first pick, uh, seventeen overall. Keon White, defensive end at forty six. Linebacker Marte Mapu from Sa- Sacramento State. First offensive player was a center, Jake Andrews from Troy. Two linemen, a lot of linemen, and a lot of defense for New England trying to respond to the fact that Aaron now is in division. You have Josh Allen with Buffalo, Miami's uh, run and gun system with Mike McDaniel, New Orleans, Brian Brees, a defensive tackle. Um, then they took Isaiah Foskey. Uh, so two linemen at 29 and 40. So they're kind of hedging with the way the D, the, the division's kind of going with uh, Tampa Bay with a new quarterback. Uh, you have Carolina restarting in New Orleans with a new quarterback in terms of all three of them. And then you also know that Atlanta is going to be a run first team. Uh, Carolina figure that it'll be more of a running game too. Uh, New York Giants drafted Deontay Banks in the first round of corner. I definitely need that against Philly and uh, Dallas. John Michael Schmitz, a center. So that'll help, uh, what do you call, um, Daniel Jones stay alive. Um, the Jets picked Will McDonald, the fourth at 15, and then got a couple offensive linemen and a running back for Aaron. Uh, Philly was the one, one of the big uh, winners, of course. They they went and got Jalen Carter at nine overall. I mean, he probably is a murderer, but um, he is likely one of the three best players in this draft. I would think arguably you can make the case that the other two best players two were were drafted by Houston. Um, then they draft Nolan Smith, his teammate. Uh, so it, I guess if you want to run against that defensive line, good luck. Um, if you want to watch your quarterback get killed, like I had to in January um, by their defensive line, it's more likely now uh, with that those picks. Pittsburgh goes out there and drafts Broderick Jones at 14 overall, the offensive tackle. And they need they need offensive line. They've needed offensive line help for years. The 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 uh, Homer pick, the uh, sentimental pick, Joey Porter Jr. goes to Pittsburgh. His dad made his name as a linebacker in Pittsburgh for uh, nearly a decade. So now his son, a cornerback, will be back there with uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and others to help the Steelers try to get back up in the division. Which of course right now is. I think a three horse race between Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Mention the Niners, of course. Mention Seattle, Tampa Bay, Kalaja Kansi, the defensive tackle um, at 19, and Cody Mock, the North Dakota State guard. A lot of interior focus, trying to um, solidify spots, give themselves a little bit of extra depth, um, knowing that um, they've had issues with injuries. Um, Josh mentioned Skronsky and Will Levis uh, for Tennessee. Those guys are all going to 
have a big part. uh, The whole entire draft was focused on offense, um, probably because their offense was an absolute abomination last year. Um, So whoever their quarterback's going to be, and also knowing that Derrick Henry's, the life on Derrick Henry's starting to go, um, trying to get wide receiver help so they can run an NFL offense in 2023 instead of 1983 will probably help their cause. Uh, the Washington General Redskin Commanders drafted a corner, two DBs with their first two picks, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State at 16 and Jartavius Martin at 47. I was going to turn him into one of those key and peel names there. Um, so, okay. Um, done with that. We'll see how that all goes, um, what they do with these guys uh, as we get into mini camps and training camp and the whole bit next time uh, on episode 168. Round up. Let's get into it. Six hours of spa uh, was a hectic one. A lot of crashes. Uh, Ferrari crashed one of their cars. Cadillac crashed one of their cars. But as per usual, um, Toyota wins. They have a one-two finish, and um, we'll go through that Conway Kobayashi Lopez win uh, by 16.63 seconds over Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley, and Rio Hirakawa, their teammates. Uh, The Ferrari number 51 finished on the lead lap and in third overall, and uh, the Penske Porsche number five with Dane Cameron, Michael Christensen, Fred McAwicki finished fourth on the lead lap. A pair Guidi Colado Giovinazzi in the fifty-one Ferrari. Uh, the Earl, the Chip Ganassi number two, the regular car um, in the WEC Bamber Lynn Westbrook finished a lap down. The uh, Jota Sport Porsche nine sixty-three with Antonio Felix da Costa, Will Stevens, and Yaya Fay uh, finished a lap down in their debut with their nine sixty-three first uh, customer car. So that was good job by them with what little testing they've had um, in LMP2, Rui Andrade, Robert Kubica, Louis Delatraz, the winners uh, in the 41 over United Autosports 23, Josh Pearson, Tom Bloomquist, Oliver Jarvis, uh, Schmikowski, Shearer, and Costa round out the podium there. They finished seventh, eighth, and ninth overall. And get through some of those other hypercars, couple laps down the Peugeot, first Peugeot, the Glickenhaus, both Peugeots actually. In GTM, the Ferrari number 83, uh, Luis Perez Companic, Leilu Wadu, and Aliseo Rivera get the victory over the Corvette Racing, Ben Keating, Nicholas Verona, Nikki Katzberg, and then the Aston Martin of Ahmad Alharthi, Michael Dinan, and Charlie Eastwood, American Ryan Hardwick uh, in his number 88 was Zachary Robichon and Harry Tinknell finished fourth in class. The Iron Dames team of Bovie, Gadding, and Fry or Frey finished fifth. So we'll see uh, in terms of how uh, the WEC now they'll take the break prior to the uh, 24 hours of Lamar. So they're no, they actually, yeah, it is a 20. Yeah. It'll be the 24 hours of Lamar will be the rest of the next race for them. I'm trying to, cause of course they don't bother to update it on this. So yeah, they don't put, they didn't even put it in there. Yeah. So now the biggest race of the year, most prototypes they've had in a long time. Uh, it's going to be cool to see that at Lamar Moto GP and Moto two at Hereth. Peko Bagnaya, uh, beats Brad Binder, uh, 
There was an uh, accident between Fabio Cotoraro and Miguel Oliveira on the first lap. Had a red flag, serious incident there. Uh, but you know, hopefully for both of those guys, they'll um, Oliveira had to take a dislocated shoulder. Uh, Quatuar walked away, but um, but he was deemed uh, at fault for the accident. Uh, KTM's get two bikes on the podium. Bagnaya gets the victory over Binder and his teammate Jack Miller. Jorge Martin in fourth, and Alicia Spargo for Aprilia in fifth. Um, Danny Pedrosa making a wild card appearance on the third KTM, uh, finished seventh. Had a nice weekend for sure. Uh, multi-time uh, uh, champion in the Moto Moto Two, Moto Three, and won a lot of Grand Prix. Finished second in the championship a lot. Top Honda was Taka Nakagami. Quattararo was able to recover and finish tenth, but it was a nightmare kind of weekend for him at uh, at the uh, Hereth in uh, Moto Two. Uh, the winner of that race, gotta update it and put it there, was. Was Sam Lowe's long uh, drought broken for Sam Lowe's, a British rider, uh, over Pedro Acosta by 2.84 seconds? Alonzo Lopez finished third. Tony Arbolino, Aaron Kinnett, your top five. Jake Dixon, the British rider in sixth. Joe Roberts finished 14th. Um, Sh- Sean Dylan Kelly didn't finish the first lap. Involved in a first lap crash. So unfortunate for him, still having the struggles here are on the world stage, unfortunately, but hopefully maybe things will turn around sooner rather than later for his sake, or he might end up going back to uh, super bikes or Moto America super bikes, like uh, some of his other brethren in that class, like Cameron Bobier. Uh, NHRA, they had the four wide nationals at Charlotte and uh, in top alcohol dragster, Mike Coughlin was the winner over Anthony Wayne Stewart and two others. We'll get into that here in a second. I'll go with that in top alcohol dragster. He beats uh, Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart's the runner-up. And then uh, Julie Nattis and Cody Crone also made the final there. Um, I'm curious as to how fast those guys are to top fuel Harley. Uh, so both of them smoked the tires. Wow, that's... That's uh, that's terrible. Uh, Pro Mod will get into yeah. Justin Bond was a vic- winner there over J.R. Gray Jr. Ricky Tricky Ricky Smith and Jason Lee. A Pro Stock Motorcycle uh, Gage Herrera has started the season a two for two. He beats uh, defending champion Matt Smith and uh, Gage's teammate Eddie Krawick and Steve Johnson to get that victory. So. And uh, her, her first final card, one and own overall finals. Yeah. Oh, sad. I don't know. That looks like a mispronunciation of that update there. On um, Pro Stock, Derek Kramer gets a victory over Dallas Glenn, who's been on a heater recently. Matt Hartford and Fernando Quadra Jr. Um, Robert Height, the winner over uh, Alexis DeJoria, Ron Caps, and John Force in Funny Car. So a double. Win for John Force Racing since Austin Proc took the victory in top fuel over Leah Pruitt, Josh Hart, and Steve Torrance. Uh, the next race for NHRA will be in a few weeks' time. Uh, you know, it'll be two weeks' time at Route 66 Raceway uh, for the Route 66 Nationals. Uh, supercars at Wanneroo uh, this uh, past weekend. Uh, 
in the Repco Supercars Championship. Still uh, a struggle for the Ford camp, though. Um, not been ideal by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Ford has only won once this year. Um, that was the first race of the season with Cam Waters, and that was because of a penalty, to be fair. Um, otherwise, it would be the Erebus Coca-Cola team and the Red Bull team that has won every race. Uh, in uh, race seven was Shane Van Gisbergen. Race eight was Will Brown. And race nine was Brock Feeney. So both Red Bull drivers win. Will Brown for Erebus uh, gets the victory there. The standings right now uh, in the in the Repco Supercars Championship uh, go over there. That's what I meant to do. Brody Kostecki, uh, the teammate of Will Brown, is, leads the points by 100 over Chaz Moster, who is the leading Ford driver. Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, 136 points back in third. Will Brown, 171 points back in fourth. Um, Brock Feeney rounding out the top five. David Reynolds, Cam Waters, Andre Heimgartner, Will Davidson, Jack LeBrock round out the top 10. So to look for how many Fords, four Fords in the top 10. Uh, next race will be the Tasmania Super Sprint Couple two weeks time as well for them uh, on the supercars circuit. Get an Indy next, Indy NXT, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, nobody's doing run-ins, though, in Indy NXT. Uh, the butter guy, the results for the race on Sunday, uh, see Christian Rasmussen, uh, who started from pole, led all 35 laps, gets the victory over Nolan Siegel and Toby Sowery. Enam Ahmed and James Rowe, your top five. Ernie Francis Jr. finished 8th, Jamie Chadwick 11th, Jagger Jones 12th, Hunter McElray 13th, and then the rest of the drivers were involved in some sort of issue. Um, Kiffin Simpson got DQ'd. Wow. Uh, uh, that included Lewis Foster and um, Matteo Nanini, Jacob Abel, and Reese Gold there in um, Indy Next. F2 was at Baku last week, so... We'll get into that. Ollie Bierman got the double uh, last week, both the sprint victory and the feature victory uh, for him from pole. So credit to Ollie Bierman, the Prema driver, uh, gets the victory. So the feature race, we'll get into the full results so that I can get both. So sprint was Ollie Bierman over Victor Martins, Dennis Auger, Teo Pocher, Frederick Vesti, your top five, Kush Miney, the... Indian driver six, Brad Benavides, the American, gets his best finish so far of the season in seventh. Jack Crawford in eighth, the American who got his first podium. The last at Mel and or he did, I think he got it in the feature in the feature race. Uh, Jahan Daruvala, ninth. Uh, Juan Manuel Correa was 13th in the feature. Yeah, I know that was at, it was at Australia is what it was. Uh, Ollie Bierman, the victor over Enzo Fittipaldi and Teo Pocher. Um, Victor Martins and Frederick Vesti round out the top five. Kushmine gets another sixth. Uh, Jack Crawford, 10th. Juan Manuel Correa, 14th. Uh, Jay Andruvla, 15th. Brad Benavides, DNF'd eight laps into the race. So unfortunate for him there. Uh, the standings have Teo Pocher leading by five points over Frederick Vesti, seven over Ayumu Uwasa. Bierman with his double win. Uh, makes up for having three points in three races in three rounds so far. So 
gets a 38-point haul, uh, is now in fourth, uh, two points out of Cushmine in fifth. Uh, Jan Deruvla is in ninth. Uh, Crawford and Juan Manuel Correa are the are in 16th and 17th. Um, they don't give, I guess they don't get points for the sprint at seventh. So Benavides is one of three drivers with Amory Cordiel and Roy Nassane who have not scored points so far in 2023. The World Superbikes will be going on this week at at uh, Barcelona. Um, it's been a clinic by Alvaro Bautista so far this year, and it seems like it's going to be more of the same. Uh, going into uh, this round, uh, he has a near 50, yeah, uh, 20, yeah, 54, 56-point lead on Toprak Raskatlioku and a 70-point lead on Andrea Locatelli, nearly 100 on on Axel Bassani and 101 on Johnny Ray. Uh, Garrett Gerloff buried in 15th, and um, yeah, that's uh, on his BMW. Uh, going back the race at uh, Assen, he won. Uh, Bautista swept all three rounds. Uh, the race, the race one and sprint race were the same podium of Bautista, Ray, and Rascaglioku. And race two it was Rascaglioku in second and Locatelli in third. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Bautista dominating in World Superbikes. See if that continues to be the case. And uh, finally, we'll get into the Monaco Epri. It is May, so it's time for uh, Monaco. And um, cars are probably a little more suited for this racetrack. Um, definitely a good thing to see. Um, the point standings leading in, it's been, uh, it's gotten tighter after the double header in Germany. You, know, you had Verline now is still the leader, but he's only scored 20 points in the last uh, three rounds or last four rounds, while Nick Cassidy has come off of a win at in round eight, the second race in Germany, and then prior to that, a fifth, the second, and a third. Jean-Eric Verne, former champion of this series in the DS Penske car, is now in third. He is, so Cassidy's four points back. Uh, Verne is 19 back, but is finished uh, in the top five through the last four races. Jake Dennis, after a really brutal run, uh, got a second place at in the second race in uh, Berlin to get himself back in the mix. He's in fourth. Mitch Evans coming off of two victories uh, in Brazil and in the first race in Berlin, got a fourth. He's in, in fifth place. So a uh, tight battle there, first and second. Then you have three guys that are clustered again from third to fifth. And then other good battles, Antonio Felix da Costa, Sam Burns, Sebastian Buemi are all pretty close t- as well. I'm trying to go through here. Um, only driver, yeah, Kelvin Vanderlinde is not a full, full-time full driver. So um, for um, Frines and Muller, the app team, they finally get off the schneid. Eduardo Motara has had a nightmare year for Maserati. Same goes for Sasha Fenetraz. Um, and then um, some of these other teams like Nissan, Mahindra, et cetera, et cetera. Josh, I'll uh, maybe we'll get you back in here. To start the uh, conversation, the Grand Prix of Miami Formula One race here this weekend at the Miami 
International Autodrome, which is just obnoxious to say, considering they're just driving around Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I mean, last year, uh, Max Verstappen uh, won, but there wasn't very many times he didn't win. And uh, as it stands right now, um, I would have a hard time in believing that that'll change. Uh, 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 the one thing that would go and change that around, though, is Sergio Perez is really good on temporary circuits. They've run two the three uh, two of the three races on temporary circuits so far this year have been won by Sergio Perez. The other one by Max Verstappen. Um, in terms of this race last year, just to recap, excuse me, Max Verstappen led. 48 of the 57 laps. Charles Leclerc started on pole, led eight laps. Carlos Sainz was in second and led one. And that was it. That was the podium. Verstappen, Leclerc, Sainz. Um, Sergio Perez finished fourth. George Russell and Lewis Hamilton finished fifth and sixth. Botas, Ocon, Alexander Albon and Williams. Stroll was 10th for Aston. Fernando Alonso was just outside of the points by like a hundredth or tenth or yeah, just over a tenth of a second. So um, there was two retirements and or there's there was issues for a few of these cars, but only two or three official retirements: Gasly, Norris, and Joe. One full course uh, caution or full safety car was caused by the um, incident between Lando Norris and Pierre Gasly. So um, I guess the easy question is um, which Red Bull is going to win. Um, and uh, otherwise, what are we going to see? Can Mercedes perform here before they start getting their upgrades? Will Ferrari have any type of answer for Red Bull? Or is it just, you know, rinse and repeat Red Bull? Well, I mean, I think, you know, this weekend, you know, we've already had FP1 and FP2 and uh, qualifying, at least qualifying pace uh, in FP2 with Max Verstappen uh leading the the um speed charts there qualifying or starting or placing first in the practice you know Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc followed uh behind him uh there so i mean i think Verstappen um is the one to beat this weekend um yeah of course his teammate did win on the temporary circuits but you know i feel like Verstappen you know he's already won at this um circuit before last year and i think he can repeat and go you know, two for two, um, you know, at, at this uh, Grand Prix. So, um, you know, I think the ball is in, you know, literally in his hands there as they go around the stadium um, in Miami. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how he does. Uh, you talked about Mercedes and, yeah, Russell and Hamilton led uh, FP1 uh, there. So um, maybe in race trim, you know, maybe they have a little bit of better pace there to potentially hang around in uh the you know top five or uh something like that. You know, maybe Russell or Lewis Hamilton can challenge for the points. Remember last year they did finish uh uh in the points last year, but really they were only battling among themselves uh in this race. So um you know we'll see if they're able to really compete. Uh, amongst each other, uh, Charles Leclerc um, could be competitive, but you know he also um, had an incident in uh, FP2, so um, you know he um, could could have uh, something you know with a different car this weekend or um, with a you know after running into the barriers. So uh, definitely uh, 
that's going to be an issue for uh, Leclerc this weekend if he can kind of recover from uh, those yeah, incidents, uh, you know, this weekend. So um, look out for that, you know, as they qualify the car. Um, if he can maintain the same type of pace that he's shown so far uh, this weekend, and of course some, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, teams. Of course, Alonso has had a really good start to the year, and you know, qualified or you know he uh, finished fifth in practice this uh, this afternoon, so it should be interesting there. And you know, of course, also had the seventh best time in the first session. So um, you know, definitely uh, both the uh, Aston Martins. Uh, should continue to perform as strong as they have uh, performed to start far so far this season. So um, definitely think, um, you know, they could be in another, I don't know if they'll finish podium again. You know, of course, Alonso um, started off with a couple podiums, but uh, I don't know if uh, they'll be able to uh, continue that streak, but I definitely see them continue getting, uh, getting points, uh, you know, throughout uh, this race and, you know, definitely um, continue their good starts of the year. Um, should be interesting though, for some of the other, uh, teams and kind of the back markers here in this field, of course, uh, Haas, of course, uh, Nico Hulkenberg, um, fin- finished uh, ninth place in FP1, uh, should be interesting. Mag- Magnuson FP2 finished 12th. So, uh, be on the lookout for Haas, of course, if they do finish in the top 10, uh, in the points this weekend, uh, Chipotle has, uh, promised to give away 10,000 free burritos, which you can text to, 888-222 to get a free burrito uh, entree there from Chipotle. Uh, so that should be a good deal if uh, that can happen. But don't know if uh, Haas really has not in them to uh, run uh, top 10 to finish in the points. I think it would take a, a lot of strategy and a little bit of luck uh, from some of the other uh, cars, uh, whether they drop out due to uh, mechanical failures or if we have an incident that um, you know caused uh, on the racetrack where you know we see a potential uh, safety car, full course caution. So, um, be on the lookout for that, of course. Um, and, uh, definitely think, um, you know, it's going to be all Verstappen. So, um, obviously said Verstappen, uh, winning this race this weekend. Uh, I'm going to say Charles Leclerc finishes in second and then teammate Sergio Perez, uh, finishes in third on the podium. So, uh, that's what I'll go with Uh pretty easy lineup there. Uh, really hard to fade against it. I feel like yeah, I'll I'll go and uh, for the sake of just doing differently, I'll just go with Perez. But I do feel like you have the right one there uh, with fish lips. Uh, the qualifying pace is pretty uh, pretty tough to go and beat, um, especially in a in on a circuit that is as goofy as this one is. Having nearly four tenths on the Ferraris, um, four and a half on Leclerc, three nearly four on. Carlos Sainz, and he had almost a half a second on Sergio Perez. Uh, that's that's pretty pretty daunting um, task. Uh, Alonso is a little bit off, not as uh, fast as he was uh, the last in the first few races of the season, but they're up there, uh, essentially the third best team. Uh, Lando Norris snuck in there, and uh, you have the other, and you have Alpine. Um, Alexander Albon actually showed a little bit of qualifying pace, but the race pace is pretty um, mediocre. Um, Logan Sargent struggled 19th and 20th in practice. The American running in one of three uh, American-based Grand Prix, of course, this year. The one closest to home for him, a Florida guy, uh, 
trying to get something out of this weekend. It doesn't look so great at the moment for Logan Sargent, though. Um, didn't know about that Chipotle deal, but um, hoping that Kevin Magnuson can turn it around uh, or Hulkenberg can get that car in the points. It would be nice. Even I'll go to Chipotle for a free one. Um, I'll go with uh, Perez, Sainz, or Perez, Verstappen, and Sainz as my top three. So let's get over here. Let's do the picks. So F1 Grand Prix of Miami. Uh, Josh picks Fish Lips to win, win, and then Perez. You put Perez in second, or you put um, Leclerc in second, and uh, Leclerc. Uh, Checo, and then uh, Phil goes picks Checo to win. Fish lips, FL second, and Sainz. I am Carlos Sainz, a driver for Ferrari. Um, so um, we'll see what happens if he can be a smooth operator in Miami. If um he can have Pitbull come by and show him some dance moves because he tried to show dance moves to Howard Stern and it definitely did not work. Um, mainly because Howard Stern's like a pelican, um, and he's like 90. Um, yeah, so we'll go on from that Formula One and we'll see what happens. Talk about episode 168, uh, for sure. Um, also be on Grid Talk, uh, this weekend for the recap. So for the fans that listen to Grid Talk and you came here, thank you. Uh, for those who, and some of my, some of our, of friends over there who help us out and we help them out. So great group there um, because of the later start times and stuff, it'll be more uh, focused on the North American group. So we're going to, I'll be on the post-race show. I think there's a couple of uh, North American uh, based uh, podcasters on the qualifying show. So definitely tune in for that busy time for formula one coming up now that they came off of that, uh, uh, break cup in the trucks at uh, Kansas Speedway this coming weekend uh, or this weekend since it's already there. Uh, we'll go into the entry list. I mean, there's a lot of news, of course, with throwbacks for the Darlington Throwback Weekend. You have um, news for New Hampshire, I mean, North Wilkesboro, the 75 list. Um, no Neck is actually going to come back and drive for Rick Ware. Don't know why. Um, Unless he's desperate for money, but I don't think he is. Uh, 36 drivers for 36 spots in the Heart of America 200, uh, which will probably be a general bore fest. Um, there will be some different uh, players in this. Uh, I'm trying to go. Why did it, I wanted the entry list. There you go. So the entry list here, uh, you're going to have uh, Tony Bridinger making her uh, truck series debut with Victoria's Secret on the truck uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of um, trying to get through, get back, yeah, too many pages. Yeah, Chris Wrighton and zero two, Nick Sanchez, of course, looking for that first win. Johnny Sauter replacing, uh, I'm forgetting what his name was, um, uh, Honeycutt in the zero four for the rest of the season for some reason. Uh, and go through some of these other. Those are some of the regulars, of course. Corey Himes won this year. Um, Spencer Boyd in the 12. Um, Eckes is a winner this year. Nick Leitz will be in the number 20 
for Young's Motorsports. Josh Rayum driving the 22 for AM Racing again. Uh, Mason Maggio driving for Rayum in the 33. Uh, Ross Chastain in the 41 to join his uh, his uh, tall buddy in uh, being Reckham. I, they need a new tag team name because they both do the same stupid shit. Um, I guess it could be Dumb and Dumber, but I don't think that it's just it. We'll see. We need a name for those two. Um, uh, Maggot Moron Tim Vines will be in the 47 truck driving around to nowhere. And his crew chief will be Memphis Villarreal, who drove, I think, the last race. So tells you all you need to know. Um, Kyle Busch will be driving in the 51. Tyler Hill instead of Timmy Hill uh, driving the 56. Justin Carroll in the number 90 Toyota. Brennan Poole driving his second G2G uh, Renderec uh, this weekend. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick Kyle Busch. Uh, why not? It's it's there. I'll pick Kyle Busch. Uh, my wild card pick for this weekend in the truck series. I have to go into uh, the point standings because I'm. I mean, I'm not crazy enough to pick Tony Bridinger. She can't drive a hot nail through snow, but she could probably swallow a load. Um, and load swallowers. Haley Deegan. That's another one. Um, trying to see here. Uh, went through that truck series news trying to get the point standings right now so get through all that Garcia. uh yeah now Kate got is done so is it 22 yeah 21 guys have driven every race 21 drivers that have driven every race if you count Timmy Hill and Jake Garcia I'm kind of, I'm gonna say 22 because Garcia couldn't drive at Daytona uh so top 11 um hmm who am I going to take as a wild card selection? I mentioned Jake Garcia's name, um, and I'm going to go with him. Uh, he's run pretty solid. The McAnally team has had good stuff this year. Him and Christian Eckes have a lot of pace. Uh, so opportunity for Jake Garcia to get another solid finish that in that tight rookie battle that they're having here this year in the truck series. Uh, what say you, Josh, in regards to the Kansas truck series event? Yeah. Uh, I mean, easy pick there, Kyle Busch, uh, for you, but yeah, I'm going to go. I mean, I was going to go with him, but you went with him as well. So, uh, you know what? I will go with Ben Rhodes. Uh, you know, he's a solid mile and a half guy. Uh, it has been for many years. Uh, so, you know, I think, think he can you know Kyle Busch uh, isn't as strong as what we think he can be in this you know this weekend which of course uh you know his last start in in the truck series uh actually didn't win in Las Vegas finished in in fourth place uh at the mile and a half there in Las Vegas and um well uh yeah, or no, no, I'm sorry. He did he did win. I clicked on his Xfinity. So he did win the Xfinity series uh or the truck series that I was looking at the Xfinity results, but he did win the truck race uh, uh straight from the pole. So that one actually should be easy then for him to win. But, you know, I'll go with uh Ben Rhodes just to be different and you know, he's been very good historically on mile and a half uh in his career in the the truck series. Uh for me, uh wild card, I mean you know, I'm just going to keep saying it, you know, as a wild card, but uh, Raja Karuth, um, you know, this is a, another mile and a half 
uh, for that team where they could potentially improve uh, on their results from, uh, you know, earlier in the season, of course, finishing uh, 29th place at Las Vegas, but, you know, um, could have a, a good showing here uh, this weekend at, at Kansas. And, you know, it's a very, very friendly mile and a half track to, um, you know, young drivers. So we'll see if, um, you know, he's able to crack at least the, let's say the top 10 or the top 12 uh, here uh, this weekend. So we'll go with those two as my, my wild cards and winner. Yeah. So Roger. Yeah. So Roger Carruth. Uh, I think uh, I would say that Roger would be a good one here in a few weeks time uh, when they go to North Wilkesboro, because I'm not sure if he's driven there in a late model or anything, but uh, driving that uh, Wendell Scott truck and he's doing it at Darlington, but I think it'll be, he'll be someone to look at there at uh, North Wilkesboro uh, with his short track prowess. Uh, but yeah, he's, he keeps on picking up uh, momentum. Uh, he's 18th in points. So he's ahead of some of the regulars right now. What is it? One, two, three, four drivers that have driven every race. And then you got a couple drivers that missed a race. I mean, Timmy Hill is going to miss another one here. Uh, he's only five points behind Colby Howard. So, I mean, obviously they're all looking for wins. So uh, I think the one guy that probably is due for a win is Nick Sanchez. Uh, I would assume, I would think he would be the outlier guy another Kyle Busch motorsports truck um, in the guise of rev racing to see if they can go out there and get that victory on uh, Saturday night. Advent health, 436 teams and drivers, all the chartered entries. So we'll go top to bottom. Ross Chastain sponsored by the race sponsor, Advent health, Austin Sindrick with Freightliner on his car, bet MGM on the Dillon car. I think, that's an MGM casino they have over there, or whatever the hell, uh, or I forget what the hell casino it is over there that Brian France is involved in, BZF. Uh, Bush Light for the Farmers for Kevin Harvick. Uh, Kings Hawaiian, uh, I don't know what that means, that part. Uh, for Turner, for Keselowski, for Turner Order of Eagles for Corey LaJoy. Cheddars for Kyle Bush. Unifirst for William Clyde Elliott II. Uh, Menards and Moen Faucets, the way that uh, um, Larry loves the Moen Faucets. Um, Rush Truck Centers for Chase Briscoe. Brennan Poole will be back in the 15 this weekend for Rick Ware. AJ Allmendinger with Action Industries. Um, Reesers, Fine Foods for Martin Truex. Sirius XM for Christopher Bell. Uh, Baba driving a Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Liberty University for Byron. Celsius for Justin Haley, uh, Speedy Cash again for Todd Gilliland, and um, Tyler Reddick with McDonald's. Uh, got, uh, yeah, I'm trying to see, yeah, Dillon's Craft Mac and Cheese for O. Richard. Now, Josh Berry back again in the 48 for Hendrick Motorsports, Ally Chevrolet. Uh, JJ Haley in the 51. Uh, Ferris Mowers for Ty Dillon. Ziegler Auto Group for Josh Balicki and Worldwide Express run of the three races they're going to run with uh, Daniel Suarez this year. So, Josh, uh, you get to open the deal. Um, who are you looking at for this weekend to uh, Kansas to win and wild card um, possibilities? I mean, well, you know, this year, um, you know, based on last year, I mean, it's hard not to look at the Toyota camp, both twenty three eleven and. 
uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, but then you know I think you also have to include um, the Hendrick guys, um, William Byron and Kyle Larson. You know, so far, you know, we only had one real mile and a half uh, race this year in in Las Vegas, and Byron uh, dominated that race. But the Toyotas were up there as well. Bubba Wallace, Chris Bell, Martin Truex uh, in the top ten. Danny Hamlin in in eleventh. So you know, it's really hard to you know go against any of those uh, teams and and drivers. But you know what? I'm going to go with. Uh, Tyler Reddick in the 45, so make it three in a row for the 45 car winning uh, at Kansas um, this weekend. Um, they've been pretty strong uh, at this track the last uh, year, of course, with um, the 45 renumbered, you know, 23 uh, from Bubba Wallace, and uh, of course the 45 uh, will likely be the final career victory, unfortunately, for Kurt Busch, who, by the way, named uh, to the top 75 drivers along with his brother Kyle. So, um, yeah, the anniversary of Kurt's last win and um, Kurt being named to the top 75. Let's go with Tyler Reddick as um, the winner this weekend. And wild card, um, you know, um, it's hard hard to go against it too, but, you know, I'm – Honestly, going to go double Toyota here, and I'll pick Bubba Wallace as the wild card. So tag team with uh, 23-11 for my picks here. That's a good pick because, of course, he won in the fall, as you mentioned, and he's good there. He likes the track. Absolutely whooped the field uh, last fall in the race there. So uh, right now, 28, you know, 29, 33. So 32 drivers, so it's a 16. Bubba right now is 21st in points, so definitely a solid solid choice um, as a wild card pick considering the 45 is your choice to win the race. And um, for me, I'm trying to look it up here uh, just based on Kansas Speedway, utilizing, of course, uh, racing reference. Um, In the last 10 uh, races at uh, Kansas Speedway, best average finish, uh, Martin Truex Jr., 6.8. Larson only ran eight races, of course, but 7.4. Denny Hamlin, 7.5. William Clyde Elliott, 8.4. Alex Bowman, 9.3. He's not in the race, of course, this weekend. Kevin Harvick would then be fifth. Um, so you, you got the Hendrick guys. You got Toyota uh, represented there. You got some of these other guys. You got the Bush brothers there and uh, Christopher Bell, uh, Pizza Face. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, I think uh, Josh's uh, call of Toyota or Hendrick makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to go the other way then, and I'm going to pick William Clyde Elliott II to get his first victory of 2023. Um, needs it considering his point standings. Uh same kind of like with all the damn penalties they got, Andrick Motorsports, and they, re- they rescind them. But uh, yeah, Chase Elliott gets a victory there, gets uh, himself locked into the playoffs. I uh, I think it's uh, he he he's in a good place to do it, and uh, he'll go out there and get that one. Right now, Clyde is 29th in points, still ahead of uh, four drivers that have run every race this year. So I would be pretty embarrassed if I'm one of those people. Um, yeah. And two of them are the Dillons. Um, and one has a stupid bowl cut and one is 
Harrison Burton. So, uh, yeah, they all suck. And um, so, yeah, Clyde is my winner there. And uh, wild card, I have to hedge with a Toyota. I just, I, I, and, it, and it pains me to say this because I can't stand him. Uh, but Keebler Gibbs will be my wild card. He's had solid runs here recently. Um, he's keeping pace with his veteran teammates. Obviously, his teammates are right now second, fourth, and seventh in points. And um, you have, what is it, four Toyotas in the top seven uh, in points as well. So he needs to pick up the pace, definitely, and so does Bubba. I think it's a weekend for both of those guys to do so. So we'll uh, let's input that over there. Uh, Phil picks WCE2 to win and uh, Keebler Gibbs wildcard. We'll see if those work out. Um, uh, definitely don't bet. It's not a money thing. We just make our picks and just based on whatever information we have there. And uh, we'll see what happens next week on episode. And we'll let you know on episode 168 of the GSP. Josh, it's your time. It's your sim segment. Let us know what's going on in the world of iRacing gaming. I think F1 2023 um, put out a preview. So um, amongst other things. So um, let us know what's going on in the sim side of things. Yeah, of course, sim side, um, you know, last, last week uh, did Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Right, um, the uh, road course with uh, the GT4 uh, Challenge Series uh, racing the BMW M4 GT4 did uh, also did the uh, Formula Ford Series at Lime Rock Park, which was interesting there as well. Um, so we ran ran a bunch uh, with the GT4 a couple of um, times during the past uh, last week, uh, which you know was a really good experience there. Definitely like the Indianapolis road course; it has good flow uh, between uh, the S's and um, heavy braking zones with long straights. Of course, uh, you know going down the famous front straight and then going down the back uh, the back straight uh, on the road course uh, there. So it's got a good ebb and flow to it, uh, of course. Um, not sure if it produces the most entertaining racing in real life, but certainly uh, enjoy uh, driving around that one. And then uh, Lime Rock Park with the chicane and the Formula Ford, pretty interesting result there as well um, this week. Doing uh, Rudkinson Motor Center uh, at the Formula Ford Rookie Series and then ran Indy Cars at... Uh, Homestead Miami, um, good good runs overall, um, and all those uh, grabbed, uh, I think grabbed a podium in one of uh, them at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, so definitely um, getting better on the road racing side um, of things, and um, definitely uh, enjoying, enjoying that side, but um, yeah, I haven't seen too many news uh, as far as F123, um, but I imagine it's probably not too different from F one twenty two, so um, I especially you know I think F one twenty one when I picked that one up it was interesting playing an F one game for the first time, uh, and then F one twenty two of course had the uh, new F one Formula car uh, in that in that series, um, and then of course you know this year F one twenty three I don't really know how how much different it is. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully the the physics uh, improve, and you know, hopefully uh, it's good and stable uh, as far as online uh, you know racing goes. 
um, which you know some sometimes has been an issue in the F1 games uh, as far as uh, getting a good good field and you know being in amongst uh, good uh, competitive uh, racers. You know, similar to how iRacing kind of balances the uh, the field overall in terms of um, you know in terms of their skill level in, in the game. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that's on the horizon. You know, also on the sim side of things, um, the uh, eRacer GG series, so that's Parker Kligerman, Landon Castle's Sim Racing League, they did announce that uh, the 4th of July Firecracker 400 is back on the horizon, actually. Don't know what, what date uh, it's going to be held on exactly, but should be early July more or mid-July at the latest. Uh, they have an exact haven't announced the exact date, but we'll let you know when that happens. But um, hopefully I'll be able to con- uh, compete in that one as long as I don't have any uh, business trips or anything like that in the middle of July. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to compete in that one, run the 87 car. Of course, uh, I have a feeling Dale Jr. will be in that one because uh, I know he uh, said previously he'd try to run in that one for as long as they held it. So uh, hopefully be able to race against uh, you know Dale Jr. Um, again like I did a couple years ago and I think uh, Kyle Busch was in it last time, so um, good. Going to be a good chance to you know run uh, up against the um, stars of the NASCAR Cup Series and uh, Xfinity Series, and you know legends like Dale Jr. So um, you know hopefully be able to do that. And I think it's a ten thousand dollar cash prize uh, for the field. So I don't know the exact payouts, but definitely think for first place be getting a good amount of money there. So. Should be a lot of fun, and you know, looking forward to being able to do that as long as um, you know, free otherwise. So there's that on the sim side things. Of course, uh, did want to mention you know in my exploits last week as well. Uh, Go karting at Orlando Kart Center, which I did again uh, with a couple friends. Um, felt like I got better this time from last time as far as lap to lap stability. Last time I really overran the corners a lot, um, although my lap times did not improve. Uh, from before because I think when I went there in January my best lap was like a 70 and a half second lap and then this time it was a 71 and uh, I think two tenths so um, it, it, I don't think it was necessarily myself I just think is probably the um, cars and performance stuff a little bit slower than last time tires as well probably worn out so I definitely felt like I performed better as far as driving the carts and uh, everything and um, last time spun out a, a lot because I locked up the brakes and uh, um, spun out this time a couple of times where I did wipe out but then for the most part like if I locked up the brakes I would just counter steer to the right and steer into the spin so um, and then quickly recovered so I didn't really lose too much time and was able to keep it going without um, spinning out or anything like that so I was able to do that of course also um, my, one of my friends that I go with is pretty good as well so um was actually able to um practice my race craft against him and a couple of other people trying to get by so um really enjoyed that you know there's one time where got bumped out of the way by somebody and then they ran out into the grass so um on corner exit they ran over the um curb on corner exit and went wide way wide into the grass but somehow they were able to see, uh, still keep going somehow so i don't i don't know how that happened but i was really trying hard to keep up with this guy after he bumped me out of the way but wasn't able to get up really close to him to give it back to him there so um you know i wanted to but couldn't get up there somehow he was able to run way wide and and stay ahead but you know that's how it is sometimes but i uh, did that and then of course last saturday um you know it's 
already been a week almost, but I also did the uh, tour of destruction in Orlando, uh, seeing that after doing go-karting and of course, uh, saw a lot of wild things there. Uh, school bus figure eight racing, uh, which is awesome. Um, seeing school buses run figure eight. And of course the, um, uh, short bus one, uh, uh, to no surprise cause they have a longer or a shorter wheelbase than, um, the larger school buses and they're able to get around there a lot, lot quicker than, you know, than big school buses. But we did see a couple of school buses get wiped out, uh, in the middle of it. Um, you know, one got spun out right in front of us. And that was an interesting sight to see is of course, uh, you see the car, the chassis roll, not actually roll over, but you can see the chassis roll, um, you know, with, when it's spun out and then they have to get around and get it right, uh, on the right track and everything. So that was pretty interesting. Um, so, uh, push car racing, which is, um, basically, uh, one car in front, um, I think either turned off or in neutral and then car behind him pushing. So essentially like tandem racing. Uh, so that was pretty interesting there. Saw one car painted as lightning McQueen, and then they had a truck, a tow truck painted as Mater from cars, uh, pushing around with Mater pushing lightning McQueen. So that was pretty funny. See that. Um, and then we saw, um, skid plate racing, which we talked about. I know, I know I messaged you about that as well. And that was, it's pretty funny as well. You know, you, um, basically, uh, you know, you have no tires on the rear, front-wheel drive cars um, going around, drifting in the turns and everything, seeing sparks flying all over the place, uh, a lot of smoke, a lot of tire rubber debris trying to, um, you know, fly in the air, and then you get it all in your hair and your ears and all that stuff, and then you got to close your eyes for a minute because there's too much smoke, too much uh, tire debris and everything. So a lot of, lot of fun there, pretty entertaining. Um, hopefully be able to see that again later on in the year. I think they do it twice a year because uh, I think this is like a traveling circus or tour or whatever that goes around. So uh, we'll see, um, you know, later on in the year if uh, they come back or not. So, um, yeah, that was pretty fun, pretty interesting. Um, trying to think if I saw anything else there. Um, yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting. And then also one of the interesting things I thought that I saw about that was um, a lot of the cars, a lot of the junkyard cars there were – Third generation Acura TLs, which, uh, which is what I drive. Uh, Acura is a really good car, of course, but it was interesting seeing third gen car uh, from 2004 through the, uh, 2008 competing in these races and actually performing quite well uh, compared to the rest of the junkyard cars there. Um, I think they had one 2010 era TL, I think last last gen before they um before they um, ended the the car uh, competing there as well, and, and looked like he was pretty fast as well. So, uh, yeah, a lot a lot of uh, fun there as well. So, you know, um, that's uh, you know my other update there. I wanted to talk about that. Uh, of course, um, lot lots of uh, you know fun things uh, in life and also in sim racing coming up. So, uh, of course, uh, you know, of course, when I do stream, which hopefully for the firecracker 400 in a couple months in july be able to stream that as long as i'm here um you know uh that's uh you can follow my stream at twitch tv slash you sailor too and go in there watch all my streams and all my stuff um and you know hopefully um you can watch and comment or whatever and uh follow along and uh you know hopefully put on an entertaining race entertaining show so go in there and watch that of course uh twitter at jp huffine um of course uh that's where we'll have all my 
it, it takes all my opinions and you know have everything I uh, want to say or share with uh, people and of course we'll share the show in there as well and then of course YouTube channel which uh, at Scripture Podcast go on our YouTube and see uh, you know our faces see um, our videos and everything listen to the podcast that way if you want to so go on there subscribe and like our videos and all that stuff so uh yeah of course uh thanks phil for coming back on and you know thanks for you know hosting the show and everything so uh glad to be able to do it and hopefully hopefully we have some good racing this weekend at miami and at kansas i have more hope for kansas because this car seemingly is at least for the gen 7 cars kind of meant for these one and a half mile racetracks so Hope that that's the case. Uh, we'll catch that more than likely um, on Sunday. I'll catch the Sunday stuff. Saturday uh, the, will be very busy for me. I'll be bowling in the NJ State Bowling Tournament. Coming off of a week where I got to bowl in a pro-am with a bunch of PBA professionals because they're here at Carolier, um, Bolero, North Brunswick. So it's been a busy week. It's been a nut. It's just been insane. Uh, I don't know how it basically kept it together maybe i haven't but whatever um thank you josh for of course being my sidekick my right hand man helping me with the tech issues um essentially i might be looking for a new microphone but either way this came out i think it's probably going to come out pretty good so maybe i don't have to just going to be a little different sound but um as uh josh said i mean for every follow us on twitter at griptropod follow us um at Gripster Podcast on YouTube where Josh posts the uh, video feeds. Um follow follow at philipgmatthew.com or like whatever, subscribe. We're on that's where you one of the places you can find our show. That's also any place you find podcasts, you can find the Gripster Podcast. Uh we will be back or and, and I'm Philip G. Matthew at on Twitter. We'll be back next week for episode 168 of the Gripster Podcast. Uh, reviewing the NASCAR events at Kansas, Formula One at Miami, uh, loaded roundup uh, going over Formula E, World Superbikes. I didn't mention F1 Academy, but I will do that um, next week. MotoGP, Moto2, IMSA, WRC, Extreme and Indy Next, the Grand Prix of Indianapolis for IndyCar, and uh, the throwback triple header, uh, at Darlington Raceway. Um, before we get into the previews and picks, we'll definitely pick the ones that we like the most, um, the ones that suck or ones we think that suck, and then the people that didn't even try, um, which I think is really weak. It's worse than doing what Clyde does, which is, oh, my dad's driven for 90 years. I'm just going to keep on giving him more throwbacks. I mean, at least, but I will say at least for, before we get off the show, at least for Bill Elliott, he's, most of these ones that he's run, Clyde, he's sort of won, he's won in. Um, yeah, the blue one he had a couple of years ago, he didn't, but, um, but it's about time you do a Ron Hornaday scheme. You're a Napa sponsored driver. Um, he's one of the best drivers to drive a Napa sponsored car or vehicle. Um, why they don't do that is beyond me, but whatever. Um, Harrison Burton throwing back to his dad's great and fine. I guess he's a top 75 driver. So I guess you should throw back to your dad. Um, the fact that Harrison Burton still has a job is tells you how bad Ford's driver development program is. Um, probably why Josh Berry might be in the four car. Um, not because he's bad, but because they don't have anybody young that actually has skill. They need to get a veteran who's, um, got the 
ability to come in and um, take over such a big seat um, at Stewart Hospital. We'll get all into that more. Those rumors are out there. We'll get into it more as the weeks go on. Uh, we thank you for listening to the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. God bless and goodbye.